0: Now the, the man of the hour. <laughs> he's the man of the hour. I know he's the man of the hour. Hey, he says, give honor to whom honors is due. <laughs> Amen. Can I just say one more time how good y'all all look? Like a bunch of little Easter eggs colored all sitting in the little Easter egg holder. It took y'all a while to catch that one. You know what I'm talking about? The eggs you take out of the crate, you dip them and then you put them back in. Y'all look like a bunch of little eggs. Maybe we'll hide y'all and then come find you. Yes, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. It's been good this morning already, hasn't it? You know, we've been... Taking a journey. And I never thought when we started this six weeks ago that, that the journey would lead us to where we're at. How many of you know this isn't the end of the journey? It's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. Some of you came this morning. <clears throat> Some of you came this morning because it's traditional. You thought, well, good Lord, if I'm gonna go to church, I need to go on Easter. You and even and, and that that's that's wonderful. Cause even you think you're here because you want to be here, but you're here for a reason, for a purpose. You're not here by accident. I believe, I have to believe, I do believe, but I have to believe that God's got a word for you this morning, something more significant than just Easter eggs. Even something more significant, now hear me out on this, even something more significant than he's risen. Well, how can it be more significant than he's risen? What about he's risen for you? What about he's risen in you? What about he wants to rise through you? Even more significant to that is so that you can minister that resurrection, the power to somebody else and raise them up. We've been on a journey. And it's funny that Cornell mentioned that because we're going to see some similarities In the day that he raised, that God raised him from the dead, it's almost like a a it is a progression of faith. Jesus progressed in his faith. He got his faith to such a degree and such a level. Now when I say got, I mean developed. He didn't acquire more faith than you and I have. He just exercised his faith in that area and developed and exercised his faith just like we can He did nothing that we don't have the capacity to do. I said he did nothing in his life that we cannot replicate in ours. That's what makes this story such a great story. Because the story was a manifestation of of manifesting heaven here on earth through the life of Jesus as a demonstration so that we could do the same thing. He turned the water into wine, healed some sick folk, then performed some very extravagant miracles, and then he raised somebody from the dead, ultimately to develop his faith to such a degree where he could exercise his faith in that his father was going to raise him from the day, from dead on day three. Father, we thank you for this morning. on this day that we celebrate the resurrection, thank you that your resurrection goes beyond just for Jesus, but His resurrection was for us so that we could be resurrected, so that you could put back into right relationship those that were lost because of disobedience, that through one man's disobedience, sin reign, that through one man's obedience, that grace reigns more than ever so that we in this life could reign with you. Thank you for it. Take your Bibles and just one more time, stand with me. Let's just declare these things together. Father, we thank you for this word. I thank you that you make my tongue the pen of a ready writer. Lord, I'm asking you and believing for a manifest word for all of us this morning. That we would leave here changed. Father, I we desire for an encounter with you a further encounter with you this morning because I believe you've already we've already encountered you but those that come that have their question marks in their minds and doubt some things and maybe even angry and bitter and frustrated an encounter with you this morning in the name of Jesus that's what we believe for that that which is dead in their lives that they think is dead, that would be raised through the image and through the knowledge of you this morning. We we, we believe it. In Jesus' name. Take your Bibles and just say this with me. This, This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. It is God. And on the third day, he rose from the dead. And this word is a manifestation of that resurrection power. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. And I can have what it says I can have. Because of what Jesus provided. And now I believe that I will receive. I make a demand. Some of you didn't like that. I make a demand by faith that you said, I'm going to help you out. That you said, if I seek you, I will find you. And so I expect that this morning. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, are you expecting? Hallelujah. Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. I'm going to read this. I'm not going to read all of it because I want to get to the good part. But. Your message this morning is a little different than your Easter typical Easter message because I'm going to talk to you about the thing that Jesus did on the day that He rose. Now, we know that in chapter 24, verse 1, Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb bringing spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the lord jesus and it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this that behold two men stood by them in shining garments then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth they said to them why do you seek the living among the dead you know in all of jesus's ministry and all the miracles that he performed it's like man this is it you know I mean, he did some great things. My God, he raised Lazarus from the dead I, on the third day, which was significant because they believed that after three days, I mean, that was it. And he did it. He confounded their disbelief by manifesting a miracle in their presence. And now he said, I'll be raised on the third day. And it's the third day. It's really sometime around noon. He ain't raised yet. So you see how the enemy starts trying to weave this disappointment. Disappointment. And so they show up and he's not there. Duh. That's what you would think. You'd think they would show up at the place where he's supposed to be dead and he's not there, that they would begin to rejoice, but that's not what they did. There's two angels there because, see, God, because, see, Jesus in his love and his mercy and his grace for you goes before you to even prepare you before your disappointment is even there. And he sends encouragement ahead of time because he knows that when you walk into the room, because you haven't renewed your mind, because you're not ready spiritually, and he knows that when you walk into that situation, discouragement is going to be sitting there with a big smile on his face, ready for you. And he's got two angels sitting there and go, why are you looking for the dead among the, I mean the living among the dead? He knows where you're at. My question to you, those of you that came in here looking for something, you're searching for something because He promised it to you. I mean, you've had prophecies promised to you, and you've had this thing in your heart, and you're looking for it, but you can't find it. My question to you is why are you looking for the living among the dead? What, why are you looking for something that's alive in that dead relationship you got? Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Why are you looking for that which only comes through him in a place that's dead? Because he knows. So he brought you here today so we could tell you, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He said he's not here. But he's Risen. And then he reminds them of what was spoken and what was declared and what was prophesied generation after generation after generation. He's getting you ready. He's preparing you. This is it. You come to the tomb. He's not here because this is where dead people are. The life that you're looking for is not where dead people are. He's risen. And so he encourages you. So I'm going to skip on down. And so then they come in verse 10. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, uh, uh, the mother of James, and the other woman with them who told these things to the apostles. So they go with these encouraging words, the manifest word of God. They go to tell this to the who? Who were the apostles? These were the people that eat, ate and slept, and walked, and talked, and lived with Jesus. They come to give them the exciting news. It's funny that a woman got us in this mess. Hang on before you get mad at me. (laughs) Not really. But isn't it it just the manifold grace of God that he allows a woman, the women, to bring the good news? He's like, look, I know you messed up. Your husband should have been covering you, but he didn't. But I'm going to bless you. I'm gonna let you see that he's not here. They were the first ones that saw, it, not the disciples. You would think they would have been there with a stopwatch. I right don't. Okay, it's day three. Roll the tomb away. He's not there. Let's let's. Sh- no, that's not there. They're all whining and crying. <laughs> what are we gonna do? See, y'all don't believe me. See, in verse thirteen it says, "Now behold, two of them were traveling in the same day to a village called Emmaus." There they are, two of them going. <laughs> Jesus is gone. He's not coming back. On the day, mind you, not the fourth day. Not 11.59, but at noon on the third day. I mean, you still got a half a day left. And heads bowed and they're walking. So th- these women come to the apostles and say, Hey, listen, guess what just happened to us? We went to the tomb because we were going to be doing some things and preparing, you know, getting ready because we, we want to honor the body. He ain't there. And there were two men that we think were angels. I mean, they're white, glowing in a dirty tomb. Hello. Verse 11, and their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. Boy, that's typical of a man, ain't it? Your wife tells you something, and you go, oh, woman. There you go. Give that woman a bag when she leaves with them cookies in it. But Peter arose and ran. Now the other gospel tells us what happens. It was actually Peter and John that went. But they didn't believe him. So this is important. I'm going to I'm try to weave this into the end. So somebody remind me, say, don't forget you said that the fact that they didn't believe was important. Because I'm going to show you how their, belief, how their unbelief is going to turn into belief. And it's not what you think how their unbelief turns into belief. You ready? Verse 13, now behold, two of them, two of who? Give him some cookies too, because he answered the correct, Christopher. Two of them were traveling the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. Now this and that can be a good thing. But in this case, that was a bad thing because it was the blind leading the blind. Misery likes company, and their name was two. Now, it's funny because Emmaus, listen, I'll picture this. This is the day that Jesus rose from the dead. This is the day, this is the culmination of all the prophecies prophetically. Ezekiel, Isaiah, Jeremiah. Jesus prophesied about his own death and and burial and resurrection. He prophesied this. This is happening. The the manifestation of what has been told from generation to generation from the foundations of the earth is manifesting itself. And where does Jesus go? You'd be surprised. He doesn't go to Jerusalem. I mean, everybody knows that's where everything's happening. I mean, the Holy Spirit, for crying out loud, is coming to Jerusalem. He tells them, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's where the action's happening. I mean, that's where the centralized church is born. It's born when the Holy Spirit comes. Because the same man that denied Jesus three times, the same man that vehemently denied Jesus three times. He didn't just say, no, I didn't know him. He was cussing he, I mean, he swore that he didn't know Jesus. The same man, just 40 days later, gets filled with the Holy Spirit and stands up and preaches and 3,000 people get born again. That's the same man, 40 days. Everybody knows that's where the Holy Spirit's going to be. I mean, that's where the action is. Everybody knows the action is at such and such place. But where does Jesus go on the day that he raises from the dead? He goes to a place... He goes on a journey with two men that you and I have never even heard of. They're apostles. They're disciples. We've never even heard of them. Anybody ever heard of a guy named Cleopas? They don't even mention the other guy's name. Where does he go? He goes on a road to Emmaus, seven miles, seven being the number of completion. He's got something to complete. He's demonstrating something. And if you go to, I've never been, I want to go, we've never been to Jerusalem, we've never been to Israel. But they say they cannot even accurately tell you where Emmaus is. Because it was, are you ready? Because it was an insignificant place. Where does Jesus go on the day that he's raised from the dead? He goes to the insignificant place with the insignificant people. See, Jesus is on the move. That's why he said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Jesus ain't here. He's gone. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus is gone. Where is he going? And they talked together of these things. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were restrained, so they did not know him. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? So picture this. So we're on a journey. Two of the disciples, they're walking on this journey, going away from Jerusalem, going to a place called Emmaus. And as they're walking, all of a sudden, Jesus just shows up out of nowhere. I mean, that's kind of creepy, don't you think? So they're walking, and all of a sudden, Jesus shows up. And Jesus, the head of the church, he knows everything, says, what kind of conversation is this? Now listen to this. He didn't say, what are you talking about? He's being specific. What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? You're walking and you're sad. What kind of conversation is this? As if he projects onto them a superiority in the fact that he should he knows the intellect and he goes, why are you having this kind of conversation? And why, why are you walking? And why are you sad? Two strangers. And he says, why are you saying it? Wh- why are you having this conversation? Now, listen to me. The words I wanted to get, the, what I wanted to, sh- to say to you was that that word uh, conversed means to talk with one another together. But the word reasoned that it says in the original says to seek something together, to inquire with one another, to dispute with question. So what are they doing? Can I set the stage for you? They're talking themselves out of the manifestation of the miracle that Jesus said he was going to produce. Misery likes company, so they're walking and they're talking. See, even when you're having the conversation, even when you're at your most discouraging part of your life, and you're walking away from God. Come on now, this is for somebody. You're walking away from God. You're talking about him. You're disappointed because he didn't do what he said he was going to do, or so you think. And you got a buddy with you that they don't even name him. And y'all just back and forth. I know, man, this is terrible. I know, man, it's terrible. I know, man, it's terrible. I can't believe this. I mean, we did all this. We traveled with the man. And now on the third day, he ain't even rose again. I know, hey, man, what time is it? It's about 1 o'clock. I know, the third day. And he hadn't rose again. Everybody knows the day's not even nowhere near being over. But he's discu- they're discouraged. And Jesus shows up in the midst of their discouragement and says what? What manner of conversation is this? See, God's not just the God of the determined. He's not just walking with people that are determined. He's walking with people that are destitute. God is meeting you at your place of desperation. Jesus, on the day that He... If I was His press secretary, I'd be like, look we got 40 days. Because you declare in the Holy Spirit. we got 40 days. What are you doing with this guy? I'm sorry, sir, what was your name? Cleopas. What are you doing with Cleopas? And this other guy, I don't even know, I don't know what your name is. What are you doing? And Jesus says, I'm about my father's business. Because Jesus was about the destitute. He wasn't just about the influential. He was about the destitute. See, God's mercy and His grace goes way beyond and far beyond anything that we could comprehend. We think that God is, He's only the God of faith. He is the God of faith, but He's also the God of faithlessness. And He meets them at their place of faithlessness. You feel like you don't have no faith. You can't believe anymore. And so you're walking away and you're leaving. Now listen, they don't give the indication as to whether they're mad or angry or in rebelliousness or depressed. I think they leave that open for a reason. Because it's like Jesus has said, I don't care if you're mad or if you're depressed. I don't care if you're being rebellious or if you're discouraged. I don't care if you got to take antidepressants. Or taking something to get high. It doesn't matter because He's the God of all of that and He meets you where you're at. And so on this day, of all days, He meets these two people. Because God's not just after the significant things in your life. He's after what? He's after the insignificant things in your life. He's not just after the, the road to Jerusalem. He's after your road to Emmaus. Ephesians 4, 6 that says that, that says that we've been seated in heavenly places. It says that we've been seated in heavenly places. Why? Because he's trying to get to us a picture of where we're at. He's trying to, he's trying to get us to the fact that God, the Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all, he's over all of it. I thought for years that when someone didn't get a manifestation of what they had in their life, it's because they didn't have faith. Well, a part of that is true. But where I was wrong in my pattern of thinking was that God just leaves you there until you get big boy pants and pull it up and do it yourself. That's not the case. These two guys are walking away. And where does Jesus go? He goes after the lost sheep. He goes after the one, the lost coin. He goes after the prodigal son. He's chasing after us. And if Jesus is chasing after us, maybe we should be chasing after people. He's chasing after them. And he's walking with them. Now it says that they were withheld from knowing who he was. And I said, Lord, why in the world would you do that? Why wouldn't you just show up in all your glory and all your splendor, and represent the kingdom of God. Why can't you just represent? Come on, Lord. Why can't you represent? And the Lord, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and He said this. He said, "Because if I did that, it would take away your faith altogether." Because He told He told um, Thomas, "What did He say? What did He say? You believe because you what? But what? But blessed are those who believe." He's trying to form in them a belief. See, there are things in your life where God shows up and you don't even recognize that it's Jesus. We don't recognize those places in our life where it's not Jesus, but what's He doing? He's reinforcing in them and in us a belief system so that we can believe. Why? For what reason? I'm going to show you. So, we're back at Luke. I done turned the page. Luke chapter 24. So this is where he's at, okay? Then one whose name is Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And you have not known the things which happen there in these days? And he said, notice, who said? Jesus. And Jesus said, what things? Enlighten me. So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word, before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and the, over the rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping, but we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Instead, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, A certain woman of our company who arrived at the tomb astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women said. But him they did not see. Now that wasn't good enough. Because he's trying to reinforce. Listen to me. He's getting us. He's after something. What is Jesus after? What is he after in these disciples? He said, look, how many times did he say with his disciples, have I been with you so long? (laughs) Jesus, we're dying. The rain and the wind is going to kill us. We're going to roll over in the boat. And Jesus stood up, rebuked the wind and the waves, and he said to them, what did he say? He said, where is your faith? In other words, at the moment when you should be exercising your faith, where is it? So is he not doing the same thing here? But he's not doing it as Jesus. He's doing it as a stranger. And he's reinforced. Why? Because he's trying to get us on a progression. Listen to me. Write this down. Jesus, God is not after your thoughts. He's after your thought life. He's not after what you're thinking about. He's after why you're thinking about it. Listen to me. He's after why are you thinking the way you're thinking. He's after your pattern of thoughts. Because if you solve why you're thinking that way, it will solve on what you're thinking. So he says to them, what kind of conversation is this? Why are you having this conversation? And then they proceed to tell him, as if he didn't know. Who is all, above all, in all, and through all. From the foundation of the earth, Jesus has been. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And the Word was manifest and made and dwelt His name is Jesus, and He dwelt among men. That's the guy, that's the man that they said, when Jesus said what things? And they said, are you the only one in Nazareth? You ain't heard? And they proceed to tell Him all the foundational, biblical things that should drive faith in us, but it's not working. Why? Because he's after your pattern of thought. He's after the unbelief. The unbelief is there because they were not judging what was said to be true. They were only judging what they see. And even when Jesus gives you, how should I put it? He gives you uh, mulligans in your life. How many of you play golf? You know what I'm talking about? You jack that shot up, so what do you get? You get a mulligan, you get to do it over again. He gives us mulligans. So what did He do? He gives them two mulligans at the tomb and says, Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. Woohoo! They get excited to run to the disciples and say, He ain't there. We just saw two men. And they go, Y'all crazy. That's what they said. you crazy. And so then they turn around, they walk. So Jesus manifests himself in their presence, and he says, what are you talking about? And they begin to tell him all these things. And he goes, what are you talking about? Why are you thinking like this? Because you've got the evidence right here, and it's not even the day's not even over, and you've already tossed the baby out with the bathwater. Because it didn't happen when you thought it should happen the way that you thought it should happen and to the degree that you thought it should happen. Now, see, that's where I come in. My flesh comes in and goes, because you didn't get your way when you wanted it, how you wanted, it, and now you're going to pout. And it's like Jesus puts his hand on my shoulder and goes, look, I didn't do that to them. What did he do? Come on, now this is good. If this is just for me, then that's fine. Y'all just hang out for a minute because this is. But if I look at somebody, I look at a situation and I'm being, it's like the Lord is saying, look, son, I didn't do that to them. He did it to them when he was walking with them in private, in the confines of relationship. But he's walking with them now at their most discouraging place in life. And what does he do? He's encouraging them. God will meet you in your place of despair. Despite what religiousness tells you. I'm going to tell you something else too. They're walking away from Jerusalem. They're going to Emmaus. They probably gonna to go to the bar. I'm gonna show you in a minute where Jesus is already at the bar. <laughs> oh, Pastor, I can't believe you said that. He's above all, in all, through all, and above and, and, and with all. His presence is everywhere. It says in Romans that the very that, that when we look at the stars of the heavens. It is a manifestation of His glory and His presence. So somebody puts a building and sells alcohol in His presence, in His creation, and that is supposed to deter the spirit of the living God. Do you know that people do get saved in bars? Drunk? Sometimes that's the best way to get them saved. Because they're out of their mind. Your spirit don't get drunk with natural wine It gets drunk with Holy Spirit wine. God's not on... Listen, He's not just after the courageous. He's after the coward. He's not just after the influential. He's going after the destitute. And He demonstrates this the day that He should be, you know... As one preacher said, he he needs to be getting a shout-out from Kanye or Kim. He needs to be blowing it up on Instagram. Everybody needs to be flowing on Facebook. The media outlets, what does he do? He doesn't do any of that. He goes after two people on a road away from the place that God's called him. And what's he doing? He's following them to encourage them. Where are you at today on your journey? Can I just say this? We think that we've been on this journey for two miles and we're just going to quit. And Jesus is walking along with us to encourage us. Don't quit. Don't give up. Because you're fixing to find out why. Don't quit. If this is anything significant for anybody, it's to prove to you, don't quit, don't give up even in your discouragement and in your despair. Don't give up, because he's right there with you. Jesus said, I would never. And when Jesus says it, it ain't a suggestion. He said, I'll never leave you, nor forsake you. There's no place that you can go that he ain't there. Already been there and got the t-shirt and the keys. I don't have my keys, so I'll... He's already been there. Verse 25, you ready? Then Jesus said to them, no, then he said, they don't know it's Jesus yet. Then he said, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to what? In all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things that they enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Don't be shocked when Jesus shows up, somebody shows up and says, oh foolish one. (laughs) He's trying to get you, he's trying to get us and encourage us in a place where we need to be. And so what does he do? Fool, don't you know better? I mean, have I not been with you all? No, what does he do? He begins with the basics and he goes back all the way to Moses and he begins to teach line upon line, precept upon precept. Now, let's just assume that they're on their first mile of this seven-mile journey, okay? Typically, a person walking can walk seven miles in about anywhere from two hours to two and a half. It depends on how fast you're going, how many potty breaks you get, how many of you got kids, you know what I'm saying? It should only take you about two and a half to three hours to get to Jacksonville. But if you have got kids, it's probably going to take you more like eight why? Because you gotta stop. You gotta pick. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. Are we there yet? You gotta get out, shut the door, and walk around and go. In mm, The name of Jesus, right? <laughs> she touched me. Leave me alone. You're driving Stop. Hush. And then you and your wife, y'all get y'all don't do this though, because yeah, y'all are sanctified. Then y'all get aggravated at each other because you've already reached your limit. So now you have, so now the whole vacation is blown. Let's just go home, <laughs> right? No, Come on, drop me. Sh- she, yeah. drop me off. She said, "Come on, shout me down while I'm preaching." Come on, <laughs> it's over. We ain't even been on the road for 30 minutes and you already fussing at each other. I mean, my God, when I was growing up, I didn't have no iPad. I had the color. (laughs) Then they came out with a Walkman. My girls go, Daddy, what's a Walkman? (laughs) It's a cassette. And what's a cassette? Lord, have mercy on it. I said, think of it like this. It's an antiquated first generation MP3 player. That's what it was. Except you couldn't skip, 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 skip. And they get impatient. You ever notice that? How impatient we get? I mean, my phone acts slow sometimes, and I go, Would you hurry up? And I used to go, Rewind. Man, that was a good song. Rewind, color. Stop, play. No, stop, rewind, color. Stop, rewind. Oh, I went too far. Fast forward, fast forward, fast forward. Come on, man. Am I the only one? <laughs> and then, this is so far off the track, but then they came out with the DVD, you know, the, the CDs. And they, they don't even know what a CD, they know what a DVD is, but they don't know what CDs are. And so then you got the CD player. First generation CD, man, you didn't have to rewind. And you would be like, man, get, man, And so when you're driving, you had to hold it and act like a shock support system because when you hit the... So you've been on the road for 30 minutes, the iPad's dead, she's screaming because her iPhone works better and faster, and my God, you, heaven forbid you be without social media for 10 minutes. Vacation's over. That's the place where Jesus shows up in your car. And he begins to expound to them from day. Okay, so it takes on average two to two and a half hours to walk seven miles. So let's just assume that the first 30 minutes they're walking, Jesus shows up, this whole dialect, this whole discourse takes place. Now what? For an hour and a half to two hours, Jesus begins to preach to them the gospel all over again. Now listen, the power is not in your words, the power is in his words through your words. And so he preaches to them. And he begins to what? He begins to expound. Guys, we got to expound to people. We got to explain it. What does it mean to be born again? We got to explain it. How can I go back into my mother's womb? And he said to Nicodemus, he said, that ain't what I'm talking about. That which is born of the flesh is of the flesh. But that which is born of the spirit. See, you got to speak to people's spirit. Quit talking to their mind. Speak to their spirit. And that's what he's doing. See, his words are life. They're not carnal. Paul said, when I came to you, I didn't come to you with excellency of speech, but I came to you with demonstration and with power. See, the power is in the Word. Preach the Word to them. Use the New Living Translation or the Message Word. It doesn't matter. The power's in the Word. Man, I sure am hungry. Man, I got some food that you will never be Hungry again. You ever had that cornbread from such and such? Casey makes some great. He ain't made it in a long time, so I've been a little sore at him, but he makes some great crackling cornbread. How many of you? It's Easter Sunday. Can I talk about food for a minute without y'all checking out to go get the chicken and the roast? He makes some mean crackling cornbread, right? You got to make people hungry. You got to give people. Uh, an a- how do you create an appetite in somebody? How do you do that? Aroma works. you know. Oh, what's that? That smells good. How did I create in Langston this, or, or I should say my wife, how was there created in Langston, Langston such an animal who would run over everybody in the room to get to her egg rolls? How did that happen? The man loves him so much he went to Tallahassee and bought all the stuff that you, could, that you needed to make. but All the Asian, you know what I'm saying, the cookware. Why? Because there was created in him a hunger that he had not yet known that was in there. That, that was deep in the recesses of his belly. <laughs> How did that get created? Because he tasted and he saw that it was good. <laughs> when people taste of your life and the manifestation of the presence of God in their life, they'll be like, man, that was good, bless God. I want some more of that. That's what Jesus is doing. So he does this. Okay, ready? Verse 28. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that would he, he would have gone further. God is always going to go further than you're willing to go. There's not a place that your desperation will take you that he's not willing to go further. Because he's already been there. Listen to me, that's for somebody. You're discouraged, you're despaired. You don't know, you're just, I'm just going to go and I'm just going to go and I'm going to take my own life. He's already done it. He's already been there. And he indicated to them, look, I'll keep going. See, you'll you'll get tired. You'll never get tired. Because this is what they said. But they constrained him. They had to physically, suggestively, I mean something, they had to constrain him because he was demonstrating to him he's willing to go and going to go further than you ever thought you could go. As, As to prove to them that the devil ain't no competition for the love of God. Because it says neither height nor depth, nor width, nor things to come, nor things that have come, nor things that are, nothing, everybody say nothing, nothing. turn to your neighbor say nothing, nothing. Not, even hell not even hell, will separate us, shall be able, shall be able to separate us from the love of God. Why is it that when something happens, we go to the negative? Because he's after our thought life. Well, Joel, he didn't say hey to me when I walked in this morning. And so now I'm mad at him. Because I know he's talking about me because he likes my jacket. And now he's covered in my jacket. Now he wants my jacket. Because he's mad because I didn't. uh, You see where this goes. Why? That's what he's after. Why are you talking about this mess? Why do you let your thoughts... Go in that direction. He's not talking about your individual thoughts. He's talking about our pattern of thinking. Why, oh, why, oh, why? And so what sets our pattern of thinking straight? The Word of God. And so he begins to expound. And so in this expounding, they're walking and they get tired because they go, uh, abide with us. We can strain. Listen. Can you, listen. We're, it's, it's late. I'm tired. The day is far spent. And he went to stay with them. So they said, listen, come stay with us. I mean, what you, what you putting out is good. We want some more of it. But can we get off the road? We're right here at the house. Let's just go to the house. And so listen, they invited him in. That's the key. Now you Ready? Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took the bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. When you invite him into your life, mm, when you invite him into your home and your life, that's all he needs, because he'll take control. Because he didn't say, would you mind if, no. He sat down, and he took the bread, and he blessed it, and then he broke it. See, your blessing, he blessed what is whole in your life and what is broken. See, that was good right there. Listen, even the things in your life that are broken, that's where grace and mercy come in. He goes beyond to such a degree where he takes that thing that happened to you that you think your life is over. I'm broken. I was violated. And he blesses it. She died. And he blesses it. He didn't cause it, but he blesses it. You don't know what happened to me when I was little, but he blessed it. I can't get over it. I, I can't move beyond it. That's because you ain't invited him in. Invite him in. He's been there knocking. He will heal it. God. He took the bread and he blessed it. Then he broke it. He's in your brokenness. And it says that he gave it to them. So I'm going to refer to a preacher that I heard. I don't know, but after he said this, I thought, that's got to be it. They didn't recognize who he was. And so he took the bread and he broke it Mm, and he gave it to them. With what? His hands. That they could see right through. And it says their eyes were open. See, the provision in your life is in the revelation of the fact that he died, but that he rose for you, and he wants to be in your life. The provision that he broke, the blessed wholeness in your life, and the blessed brokenness in your life is in the hands of Jesus There's no place that you can go that he ain't already been. Because Ephesians, the same chapter, verse 6, says we've been raised up together and made us sit together with him in heavenly place. You ain't going nowhere. You've already been gone. It's not about the destination. It's about the journey. And Jesus demonstrated that. He said it's not about the destination. You got one day in 40 days to do a lot of stuff, and he spends the first day, the principal day, the first thing he does is what? Takes a walk with two people who are destitute to a place and a destination that they don't want nothing to do with God no more, to show them and demonstrate them that he has blessed what has been broken in their life and gave it to them. That's the God that we serve. Now, you remember I told you to remind me. What did I tell you to remind me? Why did they overcome unbelief? Now it came to pass, as he set the table with them, he took the bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were open, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. Why did you vanish from their sight? Because the point is not that God stays, that Jesus stays with you and does it for you. You ready? <clears throat> and they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while He talked with us on the road and while He opened the Scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven and those who were with them gathering together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simeon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road, and He was known to them in the breaking of bread. Don't try to share the gospel with somebody for someone you don't know you ain't broke bread with. But you and I think that we've got to have this this experience. We got to be called to preach. And these men weren't called. They just walked with Jesus. They were so insignificant that their name, his name is only mentioned once. And the other guy, some scholars believe was his wife, some believe was another. It don't matter. There was two of them. And they didn't even mention, but one person's name, his name's never mentioned again. But what happened? He was used to carry the fire and the knowledge of the gospel to the 12 disciples. And he gave it to them. And something ignited in them. And he said, did not our hearts burn? See, something's been happening to you. On your journey, something's been happening to you. Your heart's been burning, but you don't know what it is. And so this morning we partook of that and I'm praying that the revelation of the fact that Jesus gave it to you, you recognize that it was His scars, His hands that gave you and I the ability to go and do what He's called us to do. Jesus wants to be in the middle of your conversations. He wants to be in the middle of your despair. He wants to be in the middle of your discouragement. He wants to be in the midst of your cowardness. He wants to be in the midst of your sinfulness. Why? Because that's where the answer is. That's where the provision is. That's where the blessing is. Is when you put Jesus, he don't want to be in the front, and he sure enough don't want to be in the back. He wants to be in the middle, leading and guiding your life. When we see him in his sacrifice, that's when everything, that's when everything lines up. Stand to your feet. Why did he, why did he disappear? Why did Jesus vanish? Because Jesus is on the move. Jesus has got some place to go. He's not staying still. You're still looking for an experience at a place and at a destination. And you're missing the fact that He wants you to experience Him in the journey. And when we go out and we reach people and we talk to people, we talk to them and we say, come, come to this event, come to this place, come to church. And that's good. We want them to come to church. I want you to come. But you know what I want more than you coming to church? When you come to church, I want you to encounter Jesus. Jesus. Because that's where the power and the life is. This transition that, that's taken place with us as a church that we, uh, that we announced on Wednesday, the fact that God has spoke to us and, and told us But that we are to let everything that we know of as New Covenant Church die. So that Jesus said, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, how can it bear fruit? We're letting that die. Why? Because that's what he said. Because in death is now life. See, death isn't bad because he already conquered death. How can you overcome someone who conquered death? I mean, he died. And so, in this, in this journey that we've been on, in this journey that I've been on, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we've been here for seven years. We've been on the same seven mile journey. We've been walking on this journey for seven years. And it wasn't until we consistently see that his hands were scarred and he's blessed that which is whole and that which is broken. And now we see we we, we can't stay here any longer. I mean, our hearts burn. Did not our hearts burn while he talked with us on the road? And so they rose up that very hour. Listen, you got to go today. You got to go today. If your heart is burning. See, this isn't some just normal service. You're here for a reason and for a purpose because He has put something in you and He's called that out and He's taken you and He's taking you and He's taking you and He's expounding to you the verses and the scripture and what He's done in your life for the purpose so that you can go, man, I got to go because there's other people on the journey and Jesus is only one man and he could only do one trip in that 40 days but he gave them and deposited something in them so that now they can go and they went and then others can go and others can go they say that the rate at which the gospel was being preached in the early church that if if it had <coughs> excuse me that if it had maintained the same pace as the early church, that all the world would have been reached within 600 years. That's a lot of people. But what was it, 400 years? They started building buildings. There's nothing wrong with buildings, don't get me wrong. But their focus turned from the going to the sitting. And it was a tactic from the enemy. No, this place should be a place of equipping, not sitting. You don't go to boot camp and just sit there and stay there. No, this is for equipping. But this is, this is a place of on-the-job training where we equip and go, equip and go, equip and go. And that, there's something that happens. And even when I was reading this, there was something that happened in me where I want to go. I, I, I want to I see. It's like everybody that I come in contact with now is potentially a salvation mark. Something something to to encourage them with. Let, Let me say this to you. The most significant thing that I see on this road to Emmaus was it didn't happen in a building. It didn't happen in a meeting. It happened in a happenstance, casual encounter with the living God when He transformed their life and changed the nations on that road. The evangelistic fire that rose up within them came not from a spectacular meeting but from an encounter with the living God. In the place of destitution, in the place of hopelessness. It was in the simple, not in the spectacular, that Jesus met them because he's not just the God of the spectacular or the God of the significant. He's the God of the of the simple and the insignificant. The God of the destitute. He's the God of the detour, not just the God of the destination. So I want you to close your eyes, and I want want you to, to, as much as possible, not move. Just listen. If you're here today, and you say, man, I'm going to tell you what. Something's happening on the inside of me. I don't even know what to explain. I don't even know how to explain it. But all I know is that I want what you was talking about with Jesus. I want that. Listen, you can you can live in the states and grow up in the United States and grow up in South Georgia all your life and think you're saved and think you're born again, but you're not. Going to church doesn't make you saved. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart that Jesus was raised from the dead and you confess with your mouth Him as Lord of your life, you shall be saved. So I want to ask you this. If that's you, I, I, want to, I just want to pray with you. I, I don't want to leave this place without giving someone that opportunity to come to know Jesus. And you say, I, I've met Him, but I don't know Him. How many of you want to know Him? Raise your hand if you do. You want to know him. How many of you have been running? Maybe this is closer to home. How many of you have been running? You've been running away from Jerusalem to this place called Emmaus, which nobody knows. You don't even know where it is. But you've been running, and you're tired of running. And Jesus is there to meet you. Can I pray with you? Will you raise your hand? Can I pray with you? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Have you been discouraged? You know something, I hit something when I said brokenness. How many of you have felt broken? And you felt like he ain't blessed you in your brokenness? Can you raise your hand? Because I want to pray with you. You feel like you're broken this. He wants to bless it this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, we declare that you are the God in all of our lives of the places of despair in our life, not just the destination. You're not just showing up in our lives in the places of significance. You're showing up in our lives in the places that we think are insignificant. I declare, we declare that you are the God of all of our lives. We put you, just declare this with me. Say, Father God, we put you in the middle of our lives. You're the God of my significant places and you're the God of my insignificant. You're the God of the things in life that's whole and the God of the broken. Stir up in us. Mm. Let our hearts burn for the things that your heart yearns for. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Christopher, can I put you on the spot? Would you come and dismiss us in prayer? Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. The ones with the right. Lord, we just like to thank you today, Lord. We like to thank you for your resurrection, Lord. Our salvation, salvation of our souls, Lord. We thank you every for, for being with us every day, everywhere we go, Lord. We we thank you for walking with us daily in our trials and our struggles and our happiness and in our sadness, Lord. And Lord, we ask you to move on these people today, Lord. And anybody that it tugged on their heart, Lord, you put a hook in their jaw, Lord, and you don't let them go for nothing. You, you, you let them tire themselves out like a fish, Lord. And when, when they're finally ready to just give in, Lord, you just reel them on in. And, Lord, we give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor, both now and forever. In Jesus' name.